TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week, we're going to learn about the Keystone State Challenge Academy. It's geared to help at-risk youth before they get in serious trouble. The fifth annual all-volunteer-run resident camp at Camp Archbald is beginning, and you could be a volunteer. Earth Day is almost here. It's Friday, April 22nd. Greg Griffin joins us. He's the chairman of the Luzerne County Blight Committee. We're starting off today with Rob Williams. He's the executive director of St. Francis of Assisi Kitchen in Scranton. He joins Odyssey's Nancy and Jason on the kitchen's fundraising efforts. We got to talk to someone very, very important with a very important uh, message, and maybe you folks can help out. Rob Williams, executive director of the St. Francis of Assisi uh, Kitchen in Scranton, is with us uh, this morning. Hello, Rob Williams. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. St. Francis of Assisi Kitchen really does so much good work in the area. Tell us a little bit about this uh, fun drive you got going on now. Thank you very much. The, the fund, the, our annual campaign is called Host for a Day. So since 1978, St. Francis Kitchen has been feeding the hungry poor. So it began with that simple mission by Monsignor Siganoffi. So one of our honorees for this year's campaign is our founder, Monsignor Signoffi, under the kind of um, tagline, The Mission Begins. And then when we think about how we continue to animate that mission today, there's so many organizations and individuals that cooperate with us and collaborate with us to take care of people each day. Yeah. Our kitchen is open 365 days a year, and so we're grateful to organizations like Toyota of Scranton who really um, are big supporters of the kitchen. There's there's a way that folks can help out, and we know times are tough, and that's why the need is so great for what you are doing. This $100 uh, that someone could donate, that's what they're asking, host for a day. It's $100, and it's unbelievable how many people you can help. Tell us what that $100 uh, people donate will actually do. Uh, thank you. In 1978, most likely $100 cost, uh, you know, covered the cost of a meal. Um, today, each day costs about fifteen hundred dollars to run the organization of St. Francis, and so. But we still use that amount to invite people to um, become a sponsor, and so we call that host for a day. And we list them on the board, and and we thank them for their generous contribution. Right, but it, but it will help feed quite a few people. Like you said, you need a, you need a number of people to give so that you can do this work every single day. Absolutely right. We um, have, in recent years we fed as much as ninety three thousand hot nutritious meals per year, and so um, 
you know, it takes a lot of volunteers. It takes a lot of sponsors. It takes, you know, we have a pretty small staff. And so um, we rely on the community to participate with us in this mission. And the Northeast Pennsylvania is so, so generous to nonprofits like St. Francis. How are you guys doing so far? I know this uh, started, I believe, was it last month? Mm. How are you doing towards the goal? Yeah. We have um, collected just under 150,000. Wow! Um, and That's each crazy. year, our goal is is to raise 200,000, which is about a third of the annual budget. And so we have three more weeks left in the campaign. So we're really trying to have um, a push here towards the end of the campaign right. to try and get us over that threshold of 200000 Now, for folks who want to uh, help, I do know they can go to stfranciskitchen.org, uh, St. Francis, and St. is S-T, stfranciskitchen.org, and uh, there's a, a form there to fill out. Is there any other way they can help out as well? They can also stop by the kitchen at 500 Penn Avenue. They can... Um, uh, send a check in the mail for 500 Penn Avenue in Scranton, 18509. Um, and, and certainly when you say ways in which people can help out, we have hundreds, maybe a thousand volunteers in the course of a year. So if people would like to volunteer in the kitchen or our free clothing store or our food pantry, We'd be very grateful to have their participation. That's wonderful. And, you know, lots of the uh, students need to get their community service hours. This is a great way to help out. And so many people I know who have done this, and they've done it as a family sometimes, and they say it really, really brings uh, them much more of a sense of community, and they and they can really see what's going on and how people are being affected. Yeah, people tend to be very moved when they come and uh, participate at St. Francis. You know, what we do in feeding people is so important, but what we do in terms of the way we treat people is critically important. And so we believe that every single person has dignity and is deserving of respect. Absolutely. And so when volunteers come or staff come, we make sure it's very clear to them that these are our brothers and sisters. And so we really try to present the meal and the clothing in a way that's dignified and recognizes people's dignity. Absolutely. Rob Williams, Executive Director, St. Francis of Assisi Kitchen, Scranton, thank you for being with us today, and we hope we get to that uh, 200,000 goal. That would be great. That's Odyssey's Nancy and Jason with Rob Williams, Executive Director of St. Francis of Assisi Kitchen in Scranton. Earth Day is coming up on Friday. And Greg Griffin, Chairman of the Luzerne County Blight Committee, says it's easy. All you have to do is pick it up. Or even easier still, put it where it belongs in the first place. How are you involved in all of this litter cleanup, not put down? Paula, yes, we... We've organized a group of great citizens that uh, over the last three years, every Saturday, we've been out uh, in the neighborhoods uh, in Wyoming Valley and on the highways. We usually go out for about two hours and we make it fun. PennDOT in the city of Wilkes-Barre and their local communities, they help us with the bags and materials and they pick up all the bags we pick up of litter. So it's been pretty active last three years. And of course, there's so much work to be done as far as litter. People might be hearing this and saying, well, I've never heard of that before. How do I get involved? Can you give them that information, too? Our name is Luzerne County Citizens Blight Committee, Blight. 
uh, B-L-I-G-H-T. And we consider litter, of course, blight. And we've been working very closely with uh, a lot of municipalities in addressing uh, litter and blight. The average citizen can get involved. If you live in Wilkes-Barre, we've worked very closely with Mayor Brown, and uh, he's organized 22, so, so far, 22 block captains who have their own little crew, and the city's providing them with materials and picking up the, the trash. And it's at the block captain's own speed. So we'd like to have 44 block captains in Wilkes-Barre. And it's, I think Mayor Brown's going to get that eventually. So we're encouraging all the all of Luzerne County citizens to uh, not necessarily meet us out on the side of the road on a Saturday, to be your own team and go out in front of your house 10 feet each way and pick up the litter. It sounds like an easy thing to do, and it sounds like you're getting a lot of people involved. But, Greg, I think it also sounds like you're not stopping because there's still more litter out there. Is that correct? Absolutely. I address council, Luzerne County Council and Wilkesbury Council on the pitfalls of, of litter on our highways and our communities. And I'm trying to get Luzerne County Council members to realize that where you see litter, crime is not far behind. When you see blighted neighborhoods, littered neighborhoods, that's usually higher crime neighborhoods. We have to get the litter cleaned up. It's a crime issue. I I believe it's, it definitely attracts crime if you have a, a, a trashed up neighborhood. When you're talking about litter, and especially uh, coming up in April, the folks at PennDOT do have do start off their highway litter cleanup campaigns. So when you're talking about litter, are you looking at big items? Are you looking at or just tossing a candy wrapper instead of throwing it in the garbage as you walk out of the store? It's both. I mean, we have piles of mattresses sometimes on our cleanups and uh, refrigerators and it's it's incredible the what's happening to our streams and our wildland nature lands and uh, and right on the highways you see mattresses and we're trying to get the fines increased also through legislative action for uh, illegal dumpers which is absolutely incredibly ruining Luzerne County. We're going to shift gears just a little bit because it's not only the blight that you are involved in. You're also, which is helping out people, of course, but you're helping out in other ways. And insulation has become part of your helping out. What's all that about? Paula, when it's winter out and it's very cold and, and you know, there's snow on the highways, we can't find litter. We've actually gone into senior citizens and needy, needy people's basements and doing a Band-Aid approach as far as helping insulate uh, and we've had s- tremendous support from contractors and citizens helping us with gift cards, and we've been able to purchase insulation and whatnot. And we're hoping to senior citizens. We did 25 basements this winter, 22 last winter. It's tragic. I mean, some of these basements, you can go in these senior citizens' homes, and you can actually look outside. So we plug those holes quick, and uh, it's usually just two or three of us on the team we enjoy it. It's it's fun. And it, it only takes about 30 minutes to do a basement. We don't really have a web page. We post on all social media sites like Wilkes-Barre Crime Watch, Hanover Township Crime Watch, uh, Nanny Coke, Uncensored Crime Watch, uh, and, and probably 10 other social sites, Swartersville, Back Mountain. We post with pictures of what we did uh, last Saturday. Or, and w- we do it to inspire people. We, we don't do it to get any more volunteers because... I cannot safely take care of 
30 people on the Cross Valley Expressway. We usually go up on the Cross Valley Expressway or Sansui or 309 Mountaintop or Larksville Route 11 by Kmart uh, with five or six of us with vests and signs. Again, we post to inspire people to do things on their own. Because they don't need a big group to clean up their own neighborhood just as they're walking down the street from their car to their house, they might be able to help out. And I'm going to go one step further now. Did I see you doing a community garden? We were able to purchase a vacant blighted property from Mayor Brown in the city for $1,500. And uh, 445 South River Street, uh, we had a great garden last year, which we gave all the produce to the neighbors, and the neighbors are very supportive. But our theory is if we can get more vacant city, blighted city properties and make more gardens out of them, it restores faith in the in the community by the neighbors by getting them involved. And so uh, we are using 445 South River Street uh, as a second year now as an example of what Wilkes-Barre City can do to eliminate blighted city properties that they can't sell. Exactly. But there's still a way for it to be beneficial to a neighborhood. And with all of the different things that you have been involved in, again, I think it's great because people might not even realize that you're out there, but I like the idea of the message that you don't need me, you can do this on your own. Absolutely. It's it's an army that's more people are getting inspired. And, you know, there's a lot of depression and, you know, we all get depressed. And the best way to fight depression is to go do something productively. Like even if it's like take a, a, a little bag and come back with some litter that was in front of your neighborhood and you're in front of your house. And uh, if we do not address litter, crime is moving in. Uh, what happens is you get a you get litter. Then you get a tire on your tree lawn and then an old couch and then a junk car. And pretty well, you've lost your neighborhood. Can't let that happen. And it's just simple things that you can do in order to help that along. So you're taking very good care of Mother Earth. And also part of Mother Earth is water. And now you've expanded, Greg. How did you get involved with the Wyoming Valley Sanitary Authority? Quite frankly, I, I was very resistant to the stormwater fee, the rain tax, but I decided that if you can't beat them, join them. And I did apply for the uh, Wyoming Valley Sanitary Authority Clean Water Advisory Committee, which they did select me. I want to be able to show the people that if you're paying a stormwater fee, there's good things going to come of it, like cleaner creeks and streams and uh, rivers. I want to be a positive force. If you can't beat them, join them. I'm all about problems and solutions. So what do you hope that you can bring to the authority? Well, my experience with working with Bobby Hughes within Camper uh, and cleaning up the streams and of litter and illegal dumps. Oh, it's incredible how much the streams are clogged with litter and whatnot. And uh, my experience on the advisory committee on uh, what we've been able to do, what needs to be done and some trouble spots. Like we, I could probably show them two or three creeks right now that need help from the stormwater funds. And as they say, we all live downstream, so it's a good place to start in your area and clean things up so that it doesn't go down into the other area. Well, before before I have to let you go, can you wrap it up for our listeners? Because, again, I'm sure many of them are hearing for the first time that there is a Luzerne County Citizens Blight Committee and where they can go and find out information for any of the things I know You said volunteers, but people don't need you 
to be a volunteer and explain how that works as well. Great, Paula. Well, my, my number is 570-239-6244, 570-239-6244. Anyone that wants to start very small, I could help get them bags and uh, we'll get them going. And, you know, uh, we'll work with the municipal authorities to make sure the bags of litter they f- is picked up. We want more teams out there, more block captains and all throughout Wyoming Valley and Luzerne County. So that's what our vision is that our little team of people that keep showing up every Saturday, we're going to be cleaning up back road in Suarezville. There's only going to be three or four of us. That's a real big eyesore back road, Suarezville. And then we're going to be working with Councilman Marconi in Wilkes-Barre on Johnson Street off North Main. That's a real trouble spot. So every Saturday we pick a location. What we're telling new members, if you do call and get a hold of me on social media, is don't come where we are. We'll come where you are. If you have a a, a spot in Back Mountain that's a, a, a Chase Road, for instance, we'll come with our trash cans and bags. And uh, you as a new volunteer with two or three friends will make a good two hours of it. So we don't leave people hanging, but we encourage people to do things on their own. But we will come out and get you started. How's that? <laughs> that sounds like an invitation. And one of the other things I'll say is when people are starting to do their outdoor walking, take along a bag and pick it up when you see it. Absolutely. Uh, we have to get these people that are throwing trash out of their cars. We have to get them uh, fined, heavily fined. And we're working right now on if you pull up to a stream and dump tires out of a pickup truck that the pickup truck gets seized temporarily of course but you know uh it could be three months storage fees and a lot until the adjudication is over with but if you're dumping couches and garbage in nature lands we want your pickup truck and that's a big incentive maybe not to do it because these fines are not scaring these illegal dumpers and we're going to try and get the legislators to make it uh on the crimes code uh one of the penalties besides the monetary other states are doing it they take the truck immediately and it could be four months before the guy gets it back, if he ever. But the, that's the choice they have they make when they decide to ruin our nature lands and the sides of our roads. And as Greg says, you don't need to have any kind of a coordinated effort. All you have to do is pick it up when you see it and put it in the proper place before you think about throwing it on the ground. Now, don't go away. When we come back, we're getting ready for the 5th Annual All-Volunteer Run Resident Camp at Camp Archbald, next on Special Edition. Next on Special Edition, Emily Loader has the details on how you can volunteer at Camp Archbald. Emily Loader is back with us, and you are getting ready for camping at Camp Archbald. So, Emily, what does it mean when you call it a resident camp and... Who can be there? Hi, Paula. Thank you for having me. Resident camp uh, means overnight camp. So we're open to girls going into first grade all the way up through 12th grade. And depending on the type of program that they sign up for, it depends on how long that they would stay at camp. So some of our beginner programs, they might only stay for three nights, whereas some of our other programs, they might stay for six nights. So we open it up to any girl, whether she's a Girl Scout or not, to come and spend um, one or two weeks or a couple of days at Camp Archibald. And what are those accommodations like, Emily? We have lots of different opportunities um, for some of our younger girls who may not have been to camp before. We have some really nice cabins that they can stay in. Some of our older girls love staying in our platform tents. 
And then for our water-based program, girls, we have a houseboat um, that that actually sits on the water that the girls can be in as well. So depending on the program that they sign up for, there's a variety of different options. And um, as girls kind of go through the years, they get to kind of explore all of the different units, which are uh, unique kind of in themselves. And they're really fun and enjoyable to get to see all the different type of spaces that the girls utilize while they're at camp. A houseboat. Now that is really cool. It's really popular with our girls. Our Water World program, girls will be staying in that, which is where they'll be at camp for the first week, um, getting the opportunity to swim and uh, canoe or kayak around the lake. And then the second week, they'll be off visiting a maritime village. They'll be going to an aquarium, um, the beach, and just getting as much water into their day as possible. And when you mentioned the other, the tent, is that, um, I'm not going to say it, but is that kind of like glam? Camping, a different kind of tent? Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a platform tent, which means we have four cots in there where we could fit four girls or four people to where the girls each have the beds. And you can put each of the sides to kind of roll up the tent so that you can kind of see in and out of it, you know, or close it down if you, you know, need to change or anything. But they're kind of nestled in each of the units. And um, one of our units for us um, has a tent to where you can roll up kind of all the sides and you can look out over the lake. So it's not quite, you know, quite glamping level, um, but it's definitely preferred for a lot of our campers because it gives them that real outdoor experience. That's the kind of camping that I like, (laughs) (laughs) especially if the tent's already put up once I get there, because that's sometimes a challenge. Do you have the girls do that as well? Is that also an option? We actually have a huge uh, day every year called Tent Up, where we bring in volunteers and friends and family members and Girl Scouts and non-Girl Scouts that go and put up all of the tents around camp um, because they're absolutely massive, big platform tents. And so the ones that are set up at camp already, girls, you know, are able to stay in for their units. And then for some of the other programs, maybe if they leave camp for a day or two, they do bring or tents are provided for them and they bring it with them and then they um, set those up as they as they go. So for example, our Hardy Hikers program, um, the second week they go to different state parks and they go to other areas outside of camp and they bring tents and equipment with them to where they'll have the chance to set up uh, their own tents. So they're really getting a well-rounded experience. I just don't want anybody going into this thinking, oh, it's just going to be running water and I can bring my hair dryer. Not so much. Uh, We really pride ourselves on utilizing all the different opportunities that camp has, such as the lake and all of the different landscapes and ecosystems. Um, But we also want to make sure that girls get that really true outdoor experience. So, you know, we you can't just uh, plug your hairdryer into your tent. That's, you know, not really going to be an option. Um, but there's so many different um, features around camp, you know, such as our big, beautiful dining hall. You know, girls will be able to get wonderful meals and use bathrooms and showers in there, as long as some of the more rustic parts of camp as well. So Camp Artful really gives girls and volunteers an opportunity to get a well-rounded camping experience while they're there. Now, there's that word that you've said again, volunteer You can actually go and volunteer and help out. I think it would be a great vacation idea myself. We have both past campers, you know, recent graduated campers or people who really have never been to Girl Scout camp before that say, I want to come and help out. 
And we offer that to anybody over the age of 18 on our website. They can fill out a volunteer application and um, we can see where they can best make a fit to help out at camp. A lot of people really enjoy going back to camp if they've been there before as campers. And so this is an opportunity for them to give back to the girls while kind of enjoying a previous camp experience that they had when they may have been little. And there you go. They may have had that when they were little. So what happens? Do you have to have some kind of an experience or do you have to be able to do certain things? How how would a volunteer know that they would be worthy of volunteering at Camp Archibald? Well, the beauty of volunteering is that there's always room for everybody, no matter their experience or capacity. When we all come to camp, there's always lots of different jobs for people to help out with in any capacity. If there are some people who don't really feel like they want to be at camp for the whole week, then they can come help set up camp and clean up camp, you know, before and after when the girls are done. So instead of being there for, you know, five or six days, they might only be there for one. If they're interested in volunteering for the whole week, we always need lifeguards and counselors, people who have their certifications like on archery or low ropes or a really big bonus. Or there's administrative stuff too, you know, where they can help grocery shop for some of the cookouts that are coming up or help with paperwork, anything like that. So we ask that everybody fill out an application and what their interests are so that we can find the best fit for them while they're at camp. And then those are just some of the things that you would do as a volunteer? Yes, um, depending on where you kind of get placed for how you're looking to help out at. If you are a counselor, then you'll be spending your time with the girls, taking them to different activities, doing different projects with them and, and keeping them safe and just making sure that they have a really great week at camp. If you're not a counselor, then you might be doing all sorts of other things prior to camp or you know, maybe while you're there. Like I said, our setup and cleanup captains are a really great example of how we could use some help at camp. You would come the day before camp, make sure it's all thick and span and ready to go, you know, with a crew of volunteers. You know, the girls would come to camp and then when camp's all done, we kind of uh, have a cleanup crew come in, make sure it's all nice and pretty for the next group that's going to use it. And when we're talking about volunteers, they really make up the entire camp, correct? That, yep, they do. We have our camp is 100% volunteer run. So every single person that helps out, uh, you know, such as myself that does the camp registrar and financials, you know, to our director, to our our lifeguard, they're all volunteers. So all of these um, women and men dedicate their time to making sure that our two weeks of resident camp over the summer is really just an awesome time for girls to come out and explore the outdoors. And now that everyone has had a taste and they're saying, oh, gee, that sounds great. When is this happening, Emily? And how can people find out more information? Great. Our resident camp this year, our our first week is running July 10th through the 15th. And our second week is July 17th through the 22nd. And our volunteer information can be found on our website, supportersofcamparchbald.org. And if you click the resident camp tab, there's an option for you to fill out a volunteer application. It's really quick. It'll take maybe about 10 minutes or so. It's all online. And it goes right to our volunteer coordinator and she'll be in touch with you to find out where the best fit would be for you. And then as it gets closer to camp, we reach out with more information about um, how everybody can kind of get the best experience for camp. So the best way right now is to go to our website, supportersofcamparchbald.org, and click the resident camp tab for more information. 
And when we're talking about SOCA, as you just said, the supporters of Camp Archibald, why would someone who has never been there, why would they consider it to be an option to say, gee, I might like to give up two weeks during the summer. What do the volunteers get out of all this? Oh my gosh, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many things. Uh, me personally, even though I did go there as a camper, coming back as an adult, it's really a special place. And so people who did not go as a camper can really get a chance to understand how special and amazing, um, you know, this property is and just the opportunities that it gives girls to really find themselves. You know, there's tons of different reasons why people might come out and be a volunteer. Some people are looking to just get outside, get it, you know, a change of pace from what their normal routine is. Others might need community service and they're choosing to do it with supporters of Camp Archibald. There are others that might say like, hey, I need, you know, to get uh, an internship or I, I need, you know, college credit. And this is an opportunity for me to get hands-on experience. Um, and then there's other people like me who have been going to camp for the last, you know, 25 years and just can't wait to keep coming back. So uh, we have a wide range of volunteers and lots of different capacities that have are, are brand new to camp for the first time or have been going uh, for the, the, you know, the last 20 years and just continue to go back to camp. So um, anybody is welcome to a Uh, fill out our volunteer application so that we could try to find the right fit for you. Well, I'm going to give you the last word then, Emily, if you can give our listeners the information as to the where and the when, and also where is Camp Archibald located? Camp Archibald is located in Kingsley, Pennsylvania, and we're open to any girls to attend the camp, first grade through 12th grade, as well as volunteers located in any state, region, area who would like to come and help out. Our volunteer application is on our website, uh, supportersofcamparchball.org. You click the resident camp tab, it shows you the volunteer application. All applications are due in full by June 1st. It'll take about 10 minutes to fill out and then our volunteer coordinator will be in touch to find out how we can put you in the right spot for camp. And if you have any questions, you can email us at residentcamp.org. For F-O-R, SOCA, S-O-C-A, at gmail.com. Does that include for the volunteers as well? Do they need to be filled out and in by June 1st? Correct. Yep. Girl registration and adult volunteer applications are due June 1st. We're really excited about it, and we're going to have a great summer this year. Next on Special Edition, the Keystone State Challenge Academy. The first ever cadet class in Pennsylvania for the Keystone State Challenge Academy will be starting very soon. Brock Schulteis is the Director of Admissions and Recruiting, and he's here to tell us that the Keystone State Challenge Academy is geared to help at-risk youth before they get in trouble. Brock, welcome. It's very nice to have you here. And we are going to talk about the Keystone State Challenge Academy. And anybody who looks at the name is going to see that it's C-H-A-L-L-E-N-G, capital letters, E. What's all that about? Well, that uh, comes from from the National Guard. So there is a National National Guard Youth Challenge. I know there was a little redundant uh, program. And it's, uh, and it's really put on by the Guard, the National Guard, because of the um, the experience they have with youth through recruiting and as well as a vehicle for uh, federal funds to get to each state that has a challenge academy. 
So the National Guard at the at the uh, national level, <laughs> not to be redundant again, has uh, has oversight for us, and uh, they provide the uh, the base for the academy, and then each state um, goes in and uh, makes it their own, makes their own mission, um, you know, and their vision uh, through you know the state legislature, uh, the director of the academy, and most of most of the challenge academies throughout all the states. Uh, fall under their Department of Military and Veterans Affairs as a vehicle for oversight and funding. So what exactly happens at the Keystone State Challenge Academy? Well, what happens here is is we provide, uh, you know, 16, 18-year-old high school age Pennsylvanians, Pennsylvanians who are in danger of not completing high school, a means to achieve the self-discipline education and life skills necessary to discuss succeed as a productive citizen. We are a residency school, uh, five months, a child that's fallen behind in high school, maybe not doing well in that particular environment. And that's been happening a lot more, especially with COVID, uh, can volunteer to come to our academy where it's structured, it's disciplined. We use a military academy model uh, that, you know, with, with a hands-off approach, uh, to help these kids uh, be successful in, in attaining their uh, high school diploma or their GED. So you're talking about somebody who is 16 to 18 years of age, and they're going to actually be living there? Yes, yes, for five months. We're fully staffed uh, with team leaders, senior team leaders, uh, a nurse. We have four counselors, four certified teachers that... Uh, uh, work through the local capital area intermediate unit, uh, which is a, uh, uh, a subunit of the Pennsylvania Department of Education. And where exactly does this take a place? This takes place in Anvil, Pennsylvania. Most people might, might know it as Fort Indian Town Gap. What happens then when a student, or let's take it back a little bit, what would mm-hmm. make a student become aware of this opportunity? Would it be that they have gone through the judicial process? Would it just be somebody at the school? Is it because they're interested in maybe furthering their their life to go into the military? Where does all that come in, Brock? Well, we've, we've had a very uh, intricate program with uh, the Pennsylvania Department of Education. Uh, we've reached out to all the superintendents in the state of Pennsylvania counselors, as well as the intermediate units. There are about 30 intermediate units in Pennsylvania that service different school districts, uh, you know, providing them assistance in teaching. And uh, we've reached out to a lot of them. We've also have our own uh, social media page where, you know, uh, parents and and people can see and get information. We have a website, uh, but mostly we're going through uh, education channels to reach these students. So a counselor at a school or a principal uh, or even a teacher that's heard about it can refer our program to a child or the child's parents. And when we're talking again about the military aspect, is that a prerequisite or is that just something that is the way that it's structured? It's only the way it's structured. There's no military obligation. Um, nobody has to join. Uh, historically, though, across all of the academies, there are, there are about around 40 of them um, in 30 states that uh, about 7% of um, 
cadet graduates join the military. So it's not very high. It's certainly an option, um, but we don't uh, deter or or favor them going in the military. It's totally up to them and uh, within their uh, post-residency action plan. And talk a little bit about that as well, because it's not like once their time there is up, they're done, right? Exactly. Um, A child can learn a lot in the five months they're here. There's no external distractions. Um, So they're totally focused on academics, um, service to community, physical training, health and hygiene, leadership, followership, job skills, and citizenship. But all the the great things that we teach them that they want to learn and they want to be here can, can really fall off dramatically. So what we have done is all of the academies do this. They have a post-graduate phase. So we marry up our cadets with a mentor. Usually they tell us who, who they want their mentor to be. And we take that person and evaluate them to see if they are eligible. You know, they go through state, you know, the volunteer state checks, um, they also can't be an immediate family member. So what that mentor does is he takes the post-residency uh, action plan that to get the cadet um, authored, you know, with the assistance of teachers and the counselors to uh, continue their improvement through their life. And that mentor reaches out to them either uh, in person, uh, by phone, or, or, you know, online nowadays it could be, uh, once a week, twice a week, once a month towards the end to ensure that that cadet has the support uh, that he or she needs to maintain and uh, attain their, the goals that they chose. Now, those goals could be graduate high school, get a job, uh, attain their GED, and apply for the CSSD here in Pennsylvania. It's interesting because as I'm hearing you speak, there could be other people who are hearing you as well. And they're saying, oh, this sounds like it's something if somebody's having a problem. But then if you read what you need to qualify for admission, Mm -hmm. it's not something that is court mandated or the court's not even involved. So can you give us a little bit of the qualifications for admission and the other considerations as well? Absolutely. Like you said, number one, we are not um, an adjudication process for children that have been convicted of, uh, you know, a felony, you know, if they they were to have been uh, an adult. They're not currently, they can't be on parole or probation for other than juvenile status offenses or misdemeanors. Uh, when I say a misdemeanor, uh, children under 18 generally can't get a misdemeanor. They can only get a juvenile offense uh, unless the status of the crime is elevated. So we're not, we're trying to reach the kids before they go down a path of perhaps criminal behavior. Um, you know, also, one of the harder, maybe not harder, but one of the eligibility criteria is to be free or willing to be free from the use of illegal drugs, alcohol, and tobacco products. And that includes not only smoking, but chew as well? Yep. Uh, chewing tobacco, vaping, uh, none of that is allowed here. Um, and they just have to commit to uh, being free from illegal drugs, alcohol, tobacco products, you know, vaping, stuff like that. And some of the kids, it might be hard for them because uh, I don't know if you've ever quit smoking uh, or perhaps quit drinking or something like that. Uh, sometimes it's hard, but our counselors here are uh, 
trained and recognize and can recognize the signs of, uh, you know, withdrawal perhaps, or just kids having a bad time. So let's say someone is listening and they're thinking that, and again, it's son or daughter, so it's available mm-hmm. to do male and female. Yes, and it is. Let's say someone is is listening and they 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 still have to go through an interview process, though, right? How does that work? Well, yes, they do have to go through a, an application process, interview process. Um, for those uh, for your, the viewers that are listening, you know, it's similar to uh, a college application process. Um, it takes a little while. It's not just fill out a piece of paper and we take your kid for five months. We can't do that. We got to make sure that the uh, the parents also are on board with their child coming here. We want to make them feel comfortable and ensure that our program is the right fit for the child and the child is the right fit for our program. So the application process, there's medical forms, uh, there's education portion of it that we get. If a kid has an IEP or a 504 from his home school, home high school, we take that. And we will continue to use that plan uh, when they are here in the school. Our counselors will talk to a child's counselor from their home school to ensure that they're getting the best they can and what they're supposed to get under Pennsylvania law. The other thing, and this, this, this is probably the toughest part, Brock, because you're mm-hmm. dealing with 16 to 18-year-olds and I understand exactly what you're hoping for, that, you know, you're able to put them on the right path. Sometimes that comes with a little bit of things that they're not used to, but that's true. They're all going to want to have fun. Where does that come in? Well, we we are not just strictly, you know, like a military school where there is no fun to be had. Um the child's day is pretty much planned from the time he or she wakes up to the time they go to bed. Um, they're guaranteed to get at least eight hours of sleep at night. So they're going to be actively engaged during the day. It might be academics, you know, making up those classes they need to go back to their home school and ready, hopefully, to um, graduate as they continue forth. You know, they may spend the five months here go back to their home school and go through their senior year there. But they also going to be doing some really good things. They're going to learn job skills, um, perhaps familiarization with uh, in the trucking industry, um, um, UAV type stuff. Uh, we're trying to get partnerships with uh, ServeSafe. They can learn some valuable skills with uh, food service. Um, we will have uh, competitions, sporting competitions between the platoons. That's up to our commandant and our highly trained staff of about uh, 35 team leaders. And uh, they will uh, have intramural sports. We're going to have an awesome gymnasium here. It's just about done, probably in about four or five more months. It'll be completely done. Um, So, and there are athletic fields here as well. So there's going to be more than just uh, being marched around and told what to do, when to do, and how to do it they're going to get a chance to be uh, leaders and followers. Some of the cadets will be in charge of their platoon. Some will have to follow. And then that'll flip-flop, and those that we're following will become the leaders of their platoon. And I, I venture to say that, that that's fun. So I guess that means that they're going to be allowed cell phones? No, there are no cell phones. Um, depending on how we uh, finally determine contact with uh, their parent. Um, they may get their cell phones for an hour a week. Um, 
but they will be, well, they'll, they'll even be taught to write letters. They're going to have to write one letter a week. Um, they will get to talk to their family, whether it's through their cell phone, which probably will be the way we do it. Cause I don't know about you. Have you seen uh, pay phones around lately? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they will get to talk to their parent or their uncle or their grandparent, whoever they would like to call. Um, that's, that's their family uh, while they're here. Uh, but no, they won't be able to have their cell phones with them while they are attending the academy. So this is relatively a new concept since, what, 2018? Well, here in Pennsylvania, yes. Uh, Governor Wolf and the legislature uh, voted it in under Act. 51. Um, and we're very appreciative of the uh, legislatures here in Pennsylvania and, of course, Governor Wolf for bringing this into existence. This program, however, uh, on the national side, has been around since 1993. We've had uh, approximately, um, oh, this is national statistics since 1993, not here, uh, 186,700 uh, youth challenge graduates. That's an impressive number. Mm -hmm. Listen to this. They've also done 12,320,533 hours of service to their local communities. And we'll continue that here in Pennsylvania. Now, anybody, again, who might be listening, is there a cost? Because I know you said it's it's involved with education. So if someone Mm -hmm. was attending public school or whatever, but how will that Mm -hmm. work? Well, um, there is no tuition. It is uh, free of charge for a student to attend the academy. Now, the family may have to buy some uh, initial toiletries, some special socks, some boots, uh, some physical training clothes, uh, minimal expense. Um, As well as the school district does not give us any money directly. What we do is we get funded 75%, 25% federal state funding directly to us. So we take, we as, a, as an academy here in Pennsylvania, take no money from local school districts. So when do you expect the Pennsylvania first ever cadet class to be ready to begin? 16 July. And I'm looking forward to it. That's exciting. Do you already have some people signed up? Yes, we do. We have... Uh, we have about 25 people signed up or, or in the, I'm sorry, are in the process of submitting their application uh, from anywhere from uh, Philadelphia to Hazleton, Harrisburg, up in Tioga County, um, out west, uh, near Altoona, all the way out to Dubois. Uh, we're hoping to reach the entire state because I want, I personally would love to every youth in the state that's eligible to at least know about the program and be able to apply. Excellent. So we're not... Yep, I don't want to just get everybody from Harrisburg because we're close to it, you know, because I think if we get a round group of cadets, I think that in itself um, is a is a process of learning to understand, uh, you know, the diversity of uh, of our program and of Pennsylvania and of the United States. Well, is there anything, Brock, that we haven't mentioned that you want to make sure that our listeners are able to take away, especially if you can uh, give us once again the how to get in touch with where to find you on the Web and Facebook and all that stuff? Oh, yeah. There's First of all, I'd like to say that we are still continuing to hire. We're looking for senior team leaders and team leaders um, to uh, round out our staff. We're going to hire about 20 more. Uh, and it's very important that uh, a lot of people apply so we can get the best of the best. 
for these kids. Um, we can be found by simply Googling Keystone State Challenge Academy or whatever search engine your listeners prefer to use. Um, and that's the Keystone State Challenge Academy. And we'll be the first link. You could also find us on Facebook uh, by doing the same. And you're also on the Pennsylvania website as well? Uh, yes, yes. That's uh, when you Google, you'll be the first generally the first link will be uh, our portion of the Department of Military and Veterans Affairs uh, website. It's very, it's kind of on the long side, so it, I don't know if your listeners will be able to write it down. That's why it would be just easier to, you know, search it through whatever search engine. Now, when all of this comes to pass and the doors open, we're going to have to have you back. So you can tell us about uh, what exactly is going on and maybe we can even get a cadet to join you. I think that would even be better to have a cadet join and, uh, and hear from here firsthand, uh, you know, what all the good things that we're doing here from, from the horse's mouth, we'll say, you know, the cadet themselves, he or she. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 